Hello again, friends, and welcome back to another edition of Real Talk. I'm your host, David Steele, along with my co-host, Alora Orism. Just a friendly reminder, if you like what you're hearing, you can follow us wherever you get your favorite podcast. Just search Real Talks. That's R-E-E-L Talks. Also, you can follow us on social media. I'm on Twitter at WannabeRounder and on Instagram at, at DCaduto. Where can they find you, Alora? I'm on Instagram under Eloaurazem, E-L-O-A-O-R-A-Z-E-M. You should be pretty easy. There's not two persons with my name, so that's me, guys. Nice. nice. So today, we're going to do a roundup show, and we're going to be talking about a variety of things, from Tom Cruise thinking about suing Paramount Pictures to his new Top Gun trailer, which dropped yesterday. Plus, Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis stepping away from acting Zero Miller situation, and finally the Oscars. The winners, the losers, and yes, the slap. And what the fallout is going to be from that. So let's get started. So this movie, Mission Impossible 7, has been pushed back four times now. And it was supposed to come out the summer of last year, and it didn't. And then it got pushed back again because of COVID. And then, of course, we all remember Tom Cruise's tirade that went viral so now it is set to be released on the 23rd of july of next year but there's a big brouhaha between paramount and tom cruise and this comes from indiewire the real impossible mission landing a compromise between tom cruise and paramount pictures in an expose in the thr the hollywood reporter Multiple insiders allege that Mission Impossible 7 is now at the center of a distribution battle between lead star and producer Tom Cruise and production company Paramount Pictures. After multiple COVID-related production delays on MI7, the studio is setting a 45-day release theatrical window, and we'll get into that in a minute, for the latest installment in its 10-fold franchise before bringing it to Paramount+. Plus. Per sources... Cruise is set on a more traditional, but certainly outdated model in 2022, which is a three-month, 90-day window. Cruise alleged he's hired a lawyer to come to an agreement with Paramount, but they're waiting until MI7 is finished to finish to resume negotiations. For Cruise, 45 days is like going day and date, a Paramount source told THR. He also felt setting a, a date where the movie can be seen on a service would discourage people from coming out to the theater. So the question now becomes, this movie hasn't even hit theaters yet, and they're in a legal battle, or probably going to be in a legal battle in the next few months. How do you think this is going to affect, first of all, I guess the question is, do you think Tom Cruise still has this kind of pull in Hollywood? Absolutely. I think he does. I mean, if this is going to go to a court battle and, you know, even in the articles you, you read about it, some anonymous sources say, well, Tom Cruise says what he wants and his studio says what they want. And then Tom Cruise gets what he wanted. So I feel like people really associate Mission Impossible to Tom Cruise. Absolutely. That's his baby. Yeah. yeah. So. For now, of course, I, I think it all it's all fading away, and I think it's very interesting to see Hollywood becoming less attached to celebrities. I'm very curious to see, because I love the idea of having new actors playing other roles than having the yeah. same 
guy is playing the same thing, you know, not the same thing, but you know what I mean. I feel like I think one of the blessings of streamings is the fact that we are we were introduced to amazing actors, right, and actresses. Yes, and it proves that you don't need to be hiring like this twelve. 13, 40, 50 million dollar actors to have a good movie. You just don't. It's interesting you bring that up because the budget now for this Mission Impossible 7, it's almost 290 million dollars. Correct. And so and I would I want to see what what is Tom Tom Cruise cut for this because you know, one of the things that I'm most critical about, and it goes for Hollywood and for any other company from any other sector, is the disparity within the same project. So for me, it is absurd that an actor makes that, say, $50 million, but you have maybe the sound guy who is actually really important or, you know, the person responsible for the lighting making way less than this. I feel like it's, a. I think, Honestly, no one is worth $50 million. No one. Don't care how many Oscars you want. You're just not worth it. So to your points, number one, and it's interesting you bring that up because Robert Downey Jr., okay, throughout his, we'll call it tenure as Tony Stark with the MCU, he actually was reported. So he actually, so the first Iron Man movie, he made about $3 million dollars. And it's, when the film was extremely successful, they came out and they needed them back. So he went out and did a sequel. So every other movie after that, subsequently, he made sure that he got a cut from the proceeds of the box office. So every single movie he was in, he got a cut. Not only did he get his salary, but he got a cut of the box office. Yeah, Scarlett Johansson does that too. There are some actors doing this. It's a, it's a practice kind of common now, right? It. Well, it, it was before the pandemic. So it was alleged, and I say alleged because nobody will ever know the number. It was alleged that Robert Downey Jr. made almost a billion dollars just from those movies. From being just from that one caveat of getting the box office because they exploded so much and did so much business that. So to your other point about the disparagings in whatever, in the technical. So we're going to get into it a little later on. Dune won six Oscars, and they were all technical, and they were all well-deserved. And Dune was an amazing movie. So if you don't have the technical guys, the camera operators, the sound, the VH, the visual effects, you don't have a movie. So, But that will be for a little bit on. But I, I completely agree with you. And now it's going to be interesting to see Eight. So if we're up to me, if I were the one, I think six. So what do you, what would you say about a 60 day window? What would, what would that be a good compromise for you? I think so. I think so. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, I think 60 days is enough. You know, I mean, take a look at something like a Spider-Man that just recently came out. I mean, that was huge, obviously, when it first came out and it still had staying power for a number of different reasons. Number one, because of popularity of it. Number two, because there really wasn't anything at the theater to really knock it off. And number three, it was a good film. And so... And if people want to see it on the theater, they will. But, you know, at the end of the day, you just want you just want people to watch it and yes. like it. Keep talking yeah. about it, right? Yeah, so, I mean... Yeah, it's today's reason. It's not show friends, it's show business. 
And so I think at the end of that, I mean, that's what it comes down to. So the question is, is Paramount going to make enough money back from this movie? If this is almost a $290 million budget, this movie has to make at least $800, $900 million. What I've heard is that... Just to break even. I mean, Paramount has a... Mission Impossible has a good track record with Paramount. So that's why they keep throwing money on them because in other any other scenario it was amazing it was a success now things are different because of the pandemic and the streamings and all that so i'm curious to see how that's going to play out but i do think that mission impossible fans are strong and they are out there and you know it's been kind of a while that we don't see tom cruise in that role so i think everyone is a little curious too you know because Honestly, even me, when I was, I went to watch the, the, the trailer basically to see, like, hey, how old is this guy now? You know, like, can he still he's, do he's it? He's in his and mid-60s. Honestly, correct. And then I'm like, he actually looks pretty young and strong and he's, he has some, yeah, some way to go. So I think, I think it's, they're going to be okay. It's hard to predict how much money they're going to make out of it. Yeah. I, I've always, I was kid with people. I said, he's going to die on set. <laughs> So all of the, so a couple of things, the reason I think there's two reasons why I think, because listen, you're, you're not going there to see the acting. <laughs> okay. You know, you're not going there to see the story. That's part of it. You're going to see Tom Cruise do crazy things. So the, I think that one of the major reasons why the film was so successful when ha- that franchise has been successful is because they've done, he's done crazier and crazier and crazier things like hanging off the side of the building, the tallest building in the world and hanging off the side of a plane. So that halo jump and that's high altitude, low oxygen. It took a year to nearly film and actually train for. And Henry Cavill actually had to do that as well. And so that's why you have long intervals between these movies. When he was in the helicopter, flying that helicopter and hanging off the helicopter, the end of that fallout, that was all him. So, you know, and of course it takes years and years and years to plan. It's almost like, okay, what are they going to do next? Are they going to go into space? (laughs) I mean, that's about the only other, I'm kidding, but it's really, where do you stop? How much more adventurous can you be? I mean, and all you got to do is look at Top Gun, right? I don't know if it goes for every Mission Impossible, but I can tell you that some of them, the stories were written around the action scenes and now they were the way around. So basically they want to say, okay, we want to do this. Now let's build a story that would support this scene or this action. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. We don't go there to see you know a great acting or an amazing story. You want to see action and the crazy things that Tom Cruise is doing. And I think we'll, we'll not be disappointed with Mission Impossible 7. We'll see yeah. about that. Yeah, but it's definitely you know, getting hard. Like you said, it, it's hard to top it because Tom Cruise is, has done things that we all thought. It's like, yeah, this guy is now going. And I wonder if he's going to start, like, if he did already, right? Started something like, okay, now actors do not really want the stunt to take in. They want to try to do it themselves. Actually, I also have an input here that is actually really interesting on Tom Screw's side. So like I've mentioned many times, I'm very good friends with this 
very famous cinematographer who actually worked in American Made, you know, and Tom Cruise is part of the of the cast. And there was a scene, it was a telephone scene. So they would film one of the guys on the telephone. He would be talking to Tom Cruise. And they told Tom Cruise, like, okay, your part's done. You can go home. And he did not want to go home. He wanted to stay and read his lines, even though he wasn't on camera, even though anyone else could do it. So that friend of mine said, I was amazed by his compliment, you know, like how responsible and involved he is. He's really passionate about it. He's like, commitment. Yeah, a huge commitment. And he's like, I I was surprised because no one was expecting him to do it because honestly, no other celebrity would probably, right? But that guy was like, whoop, I'll be here, you know? And so Tom Cruise is apparently an amazing person to work with and very yeah. passionate about it. I think we, I think there is no doubt after the, um, the sound was linked. Remember when they were shooting me, impossible. And then some people weren't taking seriously the whole mask situation. And then, yeah, yeah it was that whole tirade. That was, that went viral very quickly. So yeah. speaking of Tom Cruise, mission Impossible is not the only thing that he's done or famous for. So just yesterday we had our second, Top Gun trailer, Maverick, Top Gun Maverick trailer. Of course, this is a sequel to the 1986 film. So I got to ask, what did you think? I think there's it's very similar. Since I think there was a lot of actions in the in the in the trailer as well, which kind of like okay, this is gonna be more because I think Top Gun one was more like a love story than anything else. I think this one will not be as much of that. It's gonna be more. An, going towards an action one I yeah. think I don't think it's going to be a hit like the first one was of course and I don't think anyone is expecting it to no and I, I tend to agree with you when I was first the very so I watched it twice the first very first time I watched the trailer I noticed some very some uh, similar things to the first one the beat shot the motorcycle you know with the plane just you know and listen some of that stuff I mean, you can, if you watch movies and you see sequels, if it works, if it's not broke, don't fix it. So there were a lot of things like that. And then, of course, we had a death. We don't know who died. So, you know, I, I did like how they incorporated, incorporated uh, Val Kilmer into it. That was kind of cool. But the other thing, and I, I don't know if I've said this before, but so... For me personally, you have between when a film comes out and you're going to do a sequel, you have about a three to four year window. And if you don't make that sequel in four years, it's done. All the buzz is gone. You've lost lost it. And we're talking 35 years later. And I know it's one of his most beloved, beloved films, but I'm very very weary about this. I've already seen the movie. Yeah, it's definitely a movie that did not need a sequel, I guess. No. I think no one was expecting to, but I think they did just because people love it and some people are still going to see it. But yeah, this is definitely going to be a hit and I think they all know it. They're just doing just, I think just because, honestly. Well, Tony Scott actually, so Tony Scott before his, his passing, and Tom Cruise had always talked about doing a sequel. They had always talked about it. And so 
then and there were a lot of obstacles, whether it was the studios or scheduling or trying to find the right cast or the script. And so finally, they got some of the pieces together. And, and then the unfortunate passing of Scott, Tony Scott happened. They said, okay, we got to do this now. And I'm not saying they made it in memorandum. I'm saying that he would have wanted it made. And so I wouldn't be shocked if that was a small, small motivation. Uh, yeah, I mean, but the other thing, too, is, I mean, I was just thinking about there's one movie off the top of my head I always go back to when I see that sequel was made 35 years later when it was horrible. And it was Wall Street, it was Wall Street, Money Never Sleeps. And it was the sequel to Wall Street of, you know, Gordon Gecko. Michael Douglas, when he won his Academy Award in 1985, playing that role. That movie was brilliant by Oliver Stone. The sequel was terrible, horrible. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. So let's move on. So another big story that just broke in the last 24 hours is Bruce Willis. So Bruce Willis is now stepping away from acting for the time being. And this comes from the USA Today. Bruce Willis's family has announced he'll be stepping away from his acting career after being diagnosed with aphasia. Our beloved Bruce has been experiencing some health problems and has been recently diagnosed with aphasia, which, which is impacting his cognitive abilities. Wilmer Willis, Willis, his daughter, wrote on Instagram in a joint statement on Wednesday. As a result of this, this Bruce is stepping away from his career that has meant so much to him. Many people with aphasia are middle-aged or older. It's not known whether aphasia is a total loss of language structure or complications in the, in the language and how it's assessed. So there are a few kinds of aphasia. And so they don't know which one he has at this point. It, it actually has to do with his language and speech. So, But this is uh, definitely a, a sad note. He's been around since... Well, we really came on the map in 1985 with Die Hard, and he's been acting for 30 some odd years. So, what? Let me. Well, let me ask you this: What were your some? What were some of your favorite roles, of Bruce Willis? Honestly, I haven't kept really like Die Hard is the one that I remember him most, I guess. And he's, you know, whenever he came on Friends as well. But honestly. Bruce Willis were never on the on my watch list, not because I don't like him, but maybe because I think he got too connected to a genre that is not really my thing. Yeah. So um, that said, I do like him as a person a lot. He seems like a really great guy, and we all admire him by, you know, his co-parenting with Demi Moore, which seems like the perfect Hollywood scenario, of course. But I don't think he is like quintessence for Hollywood, in my opinion. Do you? Well, back in the, so he really started out, you know, he, he was a heartthrob for a few years in his days in Moonlighting. And then, of course, every what you were talking about, everybody remembers Die Hard, the sequels we won't talk about, <laughs> but Die Hard. And then he's done, you know, Pulp Fiction. I mean, he's done a lot of, he's done a lot of roles that are like, supporting rules and you'll see him pop up in, in these kind of roles. I mean, sure. He did have his time in the spotlight, 
but he was never a guy to really, he was always that action guy. He was that action guy of the 1980s. He was always that action star. I, I think the sixth sense is the, is the biggest oh. one. I think he was kind of like a little off curve from what he was doing. And it was a pleasant surprise. It was a great movie. We all saw it. We all liked it for a reason or another. So kudos to him for that. Yes. For yeah. Sure. And I, you know, I, I think that's, I think that's besides Die Hard. You're absolutely right. I think M. Night Shyamalan's The Sixth Sense is probably the quintessential one that everybody remembers Bruce Willis from. So that's, we'll see. I hope he makes a comeback. He's only 67. You know, I mean. I don't think he will. I don't think he should. I think he definitely, he's very, you know. We, he made tons of, of money from movies, and we all know he's now a very businessman. I think he should be really focusing on his recovery. Yeah. And he can do that. He has a great legacy. He worked with amazing actors. And, yeah, I mean, the guy deserves some break. And I think it's very smart of him to heal away from public eyes. Yeah. So, yeah. I, so you, you're probably right, though. I mean, I think... I mean, I think it's just the movie fan in me wants to see him come back. But you're absolutely right. I think if this is his one song, then I think then, you know, this is a good way to go out. He's had a hell of a career working over 30 years in the business with some of the biggest actors and biggest actresses with some of the biggest movies. He doesn't have to prove anything to anybody. Correct. And we also you know it's more important than knowing when to start is knowing when to stop. And glad that he's doing this now you know with you know support from family and fans and so now all we remember are these great movies and great acting and not like a comparison like oh wow you can really see that maybe his speech is doing this or you know like his body or whatever it's like it's it's good that he keeps that 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 message and and that memory i guess from the public so i agree with you i agree with you so, Ezra Miller, the Ezra Miller situation. Let's let's talk about this a little. So, this comes from Variety. I actually have a question. So, yeah, do you think people Hollywood can make people go crazy? Oh, absolutely. I I don't think there's any any doubt. I think the stress, I think the pressure, I think because think about it. When you are a aspiring actor or actress in your waiting tables and whatever, your, your day job, so to speak, you're always wanting to, you're always chasing that next interview or that next, that next audition. And then when you get the audition, you only have maybe 45, 60 seconds at most to try and impress the producers, the directors, what have you. And if you don't get the part, and more times than not, he'll say thank you, and you're done. And you've worked so hard for it. The fact that you do this over and over and over and over, it takes a lot of willpower. Then if, and this is a big if, caveat, if you're able to land a big role on a recurring show, for example, then you have to be able, so once that happens, then you're, you're in the public eye. And when you're in the public eye, you're scrutinized. And now with social media, every little thing you say and do, and this is we'll talk about this in a minute, wherever you go, 
Everybody wants a piece of you. They want pictures. They want autographs. I was here with this person. And so from that, you have to adjust your lifestyle, especially if you have young ones. I mean, if you have young kids, four, five, six years old, you have to shelter them or make them you do, because you don't want them in the spotlight. Well, so but- you have to have a whole second life off the camera. So to answer your question, the short answer to your question is, I think yes. And I think that's why a lot of people burn out. They'll do it for a few years. They'll get what they need and they'll say, I'm done. I, I, I can't do this anymore. But I just feel like this is all known, right? Like, especially when we're talking about Ezra Miller, he's what, 24 now, 25, yeah. something like this. Right. Kind, of, kind of a young guy. So mm-hmm. Hollywood is not a surprise anymore to say, yes, people are going to be breathing on your neck. Dude, yes, we all know that. And you do too. You did all along. Plus, to say that they have stress, dude, you have more money than ever. So you have someone taking care of your image, someone thinking about what you're going to wear, someone thinking about everything from your life. You know, you have a nanny taking care of your kids. It's like, for me, actually, it's more stressful to be maybe waiting some tables, reading the script in between your shifts, figuring out how to pay the rent in Los Angeles, which is super expensive. And getting very nervous towards, am I going to get an answer or no? You know, like, I feel like that's actually the stressful part. So I don't know if Hollywood can make you go crazy. I think Hollywood can potentialize the craziness in you. Yeah, I, I would agree with you there. I would agree with you there. Because you know, as an actor and an actress, what you're getting into. And, you know, every actor and actress, you know, they aspire to, you know, be on that stage like on Sunday. And that's what they go for. Now, that's what you saw there is like the 1% of the 1%. The fact is, though, you're right, though, to a certain thing. You know what you're getting into. So there is no, there are no surprises. No, it was, nothing was hidden. I mean, we have so many, especially now, like we said, we're talking about a young guy. He knows it. One thing I think it was to be famous on the 60 when it, it was still kind of a shock, maybe, but now it's like it's largely publicized, you know, like we know the price that it comes. And you can still live a pretty low profile life in some way if you want to. You know, there's so many celebrities that we know that doesn't, for instance, they don't use social media. Like, I don't know, Penelope Cruz. She's been around forever. We don't hear about her all the time. Mary Strip, the queen herself, tons of Oscar. You know, so it's like, yeah, there's something there. So yeah, Ezra, no, absolutely. For me, Ezra was a crazy yeah. guy in the potential. Yeah. Yes, and- so this comes from Variety. Ezra Miller, who stars in the upcoming DC film The Flash and April's Fantastic Beasts: The Secrets of Dumbledore, was arrested by law enforcement in Hilo, Hawaii, on Monday morning. Miller was charged with disorderly conduct and harassment after an incident at a bar. According to a post at Hawaiian, the Hawaiian County Police Department, South Hilo officers responded to a report of a disorderly bar patron on Sunday evening at around 11 p.m. Police determined that the agitator had become unruly with other patrons who sang karaoke and began, quote, yelling obscenities, end quote. Miller then, quote, grabbed the microphone from a 23-year-old woman singing karaoke, and later runs to a 32-year-old man playing darts. Miller was arrested, released on an 
offenses of disorderly conduct and harassment. Bail was set at $500, which Noel provided with law enforcement subsequently releasing them from custody. This is just, to me, it's another actor just being bored. I, he's 24 years old. He went out, had a couple drinks. Oh, I can do anything. And then police get called. I mean, bail was set at $500. He probably pulled that out of his wallet. <laughs> Here's 500 And he walks out of the, of the police department. They have to, either one of two things has to happen. And by the way, this is not the first incident. So he, he does have a record. A couple of years ago, he got, it was alleged that he was, uh, ended up choking a woman. Now, whether she pressed charges or not, I'm not sure. So one of two things has to happen here. Either A, he has, has to lose his job. Or B, he has to keep a very low profile for a very long because the problem is going to become in April when these they go out. This is almost like the, the Johnny Depp situation to a certain extent in the extent that, by the way, this is the same franchise that let Johnny Depp go. So, I mean, let's keep that in mind too. This will be the second character. I think he's done. Yeah. I think that they've already dealt with the problems with Johnny Depp and they don't want to deal with him anymore. This is, I wouldn't be shocked within the next, you know, a week or two, you find out that Warner Brothers, they said, we can't do this anymore. You saw what Johnny Depp did and, and he's president for it. And so I think that, you know, this is going to be a teaching moment for him. And whether he works, you know, in a few years or this, you know, takes him off the map completely. That's yet to be known, but this kind of thing drives me nuts because it's like what you were just talking about when we were just talking about pressure in Hollywood. It's like you need a babysitter. Somebody going around making sure that you're not in trouble or you don't say the wrong thing on social media or do anything stupid at a bar or anything else. And I hate to say it, but if you're getting millions and millions of dollars for this, how, I'm going to use the word stupid, How stupid can it be? I, I can't fathom that. Because you or I would gladly change places with Miller in a heartbeat and conduct ourselves with a little more dignity than somebody, you know, goes to take the microphone from a woman singing karaoke. I mean, come on. I mean, I understand he's 24 years old, but this isn't the first time. I just didn't want to be his publicist today. That's all. No, I'm, yeah. just, I'm just glad I'm not publicist at all. That's it. And don't be shocked in the next week or two. If you see his talent agency, drop him. They, people are going to start dissing, mark my words, people are going to start distance, distancing themselves from Ezra Miller because this guy's a landmine. He's a bomb waiting to go off. And they don't want to be anywhere around him. And this is strike two on him. And if he stops, you know, if he stays out of the game for a while and then, and then he comes back, And it ha something happens again. Actually, strike number three, he had another episode that I don't remember. I think he shouted at someone, too. So it's the third yeah. incident. The second one was kind of tricky because a fan approached him to make a f either a photo or a video or something. And she asked him to kind of play with her. So 
you know, the thing about him choking a girl, like they're like, we didn't know he would get into character that much or something. But, you know, it was kind of like, uh, he, you can find ways to excuse him if you want to, but not this time. So yeah. I think he's, I think he's going to be done. I don't yeah. think they like, and plus this one hit all the news. So I yeah. think Hollywood so. is not, is not very forgive, forgetful or forgiving. Yeah. Yeah. So, and talking about that. <laughs> so leading up to the big one, yeah. Oscars on Sunday. So we're going to talk about the winners and we're going to talk about the losers, but let's get the elephant in the room. I don't think there, I think there's only losers in the Oscars. I agree with you. I was, so the winners for me personally, there, I, I had two or three winners quickly. Number one was Coda winning best picture. And I talked about this the other day. Amazing. It's on Apple TV. The best supporting Troy Kotzer, I believe his name is, one best supporting actor. And you saw everybody, you know, that was really cool. I was so, so happy to see Jessica Chastain win for the eyes of Tammy Faye. I, that made my heart feel so good because she deserved it. Not to say the other performances didn't, but I was just, she absolutely deserved that one. And the other big winner was Dune. Dune took home six Oscars, all technical. What we were talking about earlier and how sound and lighting and everything else is so important. And, you know, I said it the other day. The Power of the Dog was nominated for 13 Oscars and only went home with two. And that's what happens every single year with the Oscars. You end up having one darling and everybody gets around it. Invariably, it walks away with two maybe three. And all of the Oscars that Power of the Dog was supposed to win, Dune won. And that just tells you what kind of incredible technical crew that had on that film. So, that's the winners. But to the losers, you're absolutely right. So, coming from... So, anybody... Spoiler alert. Anybody who didn't see... I'm sure it's YouTube, millions and millions, it's memed, whatever. Chris Rock comes out, has been a present an Oscar. We don't have to go through the whole thing. He makes a comment up to, or he makes a joke about Jada Pinkett Smith's hair, and she has a medical condition. And at first, if you watch the telecast, Will Smith laughed at it. And you saw her roll her eyes, and I went, ooh, that's not good. And then about 20 seconds later, he gets up on live television. I've never seen this before. And at first, when I saw it, I got to be honest with you, I thought it was staged. I didn't hear anything. And he slapped him across the face. And then he sat back down and ABC knew the audio. But the average person can read lips. And uh, it's like, okay, this is actually, and then it was real. 45 minutes later, he gets on stage. He wins Best Actor for King Richard. And he has a five-minute second speech about love and forgiveness and everything else. So this goes to a lot of questions. Why didn't the, why wasn't he removed? Should he have been removed? So there were reports allegedly before that he was asked to leave. Well, according to sources, Will Smith was not formally asked to leave the Oscar. And this comes from the THR. Will Smith was not formally asked to leave the Oscars ceremony on Sunday after slapping Chris Rock on stage. 
contrary to the Academy of Motion Pictures and Arts and Sciences, saying he was saying he was sources close to the situation told the THR. Instead, the sources in Academy leadership spoke to Smith's reps backstage following the incident about potentially asking Smith to leave the Dolby Theater. A rep then went out to speak to Smith about the matter, but didn't relay any sort of official statement, according to the two sources who spoke to Thursday to the THR on condition of anonymity. However, Oscar producer Will Packer came out around the same time and, and said Smith should stay. There was never a chance for Smith to, quote, refuse to leave, the insider said, nor did anyone in the Academy directly speak to the actor about the request. Reps for Smith couldn't immediately be reached for comment. Reps for Packer and the rep for the Academy declined to comment on Thursday. A day earlier, the Academy issued a statement saying Smith was asked to leave the show following the slap, but he refused. The statement didn't provide details, but it did say they also, quote, recognized they would have handled the situation differently. So, there's a lot to unpack here, no pun intended. Number one, what does this do going forward? Uh, and somebody brought up the comment, you know, I was having a conversation with somebody, somebody brought up the comment about stand-up comedians. Now, Will Smith has now made it okay to get up if somebody doesn't like a joke, beat them up. What does the Academy do? Are they, do you think they take away his Oscar? So let's let's go one by one. Number one. So I, I should say one other thing. Will Smith did put out a statement on Instagram, and here's what it read. Violence is on an, always forms is poisonous and destructive. My behavior last night at the Academy Awards was unacceptable and inexcusable. Jokes at my expense are part of the job, but a joke about Jada's medical condition was too much for me to bear, and I reacted emotionally. I'd like to publicly apologize to you, Chris. I was out of line, and I was wrong. I'm embarrassed, and my actions were not indicative of the man I want to be. There is no place for violence in a world of love and kindness. I would also like to apologize to the Academy, the producers of the show, all the attendees and everyone watching around the world. I would like to apologize to the Williams family and the King Richard family. I deeply regret that my behavior has stained what has been an otherwise gorgeous journey for all of us. I'm a work in progress. Sign Will. So I guess the number one question is, do you take his apology at face value? I think so. Really? I mean, it's hard. It's hard not to take in consideration his persona. I think each one of us have idea of Will Smith, I guess, and maybe we feel founded or not of him based on our previous experience. I mean, I've, I've been, I've, I remember watching the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air in Brazil, right? So I grew up with Will Smith and, uh, you know, yeah, I kind of like the guy. So uh, of course I want to forgive him and you can find ways to forgive him or not in these things. Like you can choose your side of this argument i guess so it basically it's it's a very emotional one you know that cases like this go to in brazil they only i think i spoke to the to you about it the only cases that go to popular jury are homicide because it's the only one that you can say i'm not gonna do it because it's emotional based so this is one of those like maybe it's like yeah i have a friend who's who's battling with a bad autoimmune disease as well similar to what Jada is experiencing. And she was like, sometimes she wrote a long post saying, 
Sometimes I'm so weak that I can barely stand up to eat. So I can never stand up to defend myself. And I'm glad, you know, to have a supportive husband that basically saying kudos to you, Will Smith, because Jada was attacked first. And I don't think it's a matter of first or not. I do think it's time for us to move forward this depression. Like, I, I cannot put into words how much I hate jokes targeting a person. It doesn't matter who this person is. This is so childish. Like, we criticize bullying, yet, there you go, another Oscars bullying, you know, people. Like, we've all seen this. Like, you know, like, there was, I don't, I'm not sure if it was the Oscar last year or another film award, but someone made a joke about Apple and the camera went to, you know, Tim Cook. And it was such a bad joke anyway. And I always feel so bad to people. I think at some point of our lives, we are, we've always, I mean, I don't know we've always, but as part of a minority, right? Kind of Latin, a woman in the United States, it sucks. It sucks to be, you know, stere- to be part of a stereotype and to be criticized or, or left about it. So it sucks. Time for us to move forward with this. If we can excuse, I think... So for me, just to clear it out, my opinion is if the Oscar has done nothing about Weinstein, he still has all his Oscars, then yeah. they shouldn't take Will yeah. Smith. And, and, I, and I'm going to agree with you. They're not going to take away his Oscar because if they take away Will Smith's Oscar, they're going to have to take away a lot of people's Oscars. Correct. A lot they, of people. And that's just a list that's just too lengthy. Yeah. Will Smith so, is going to have I'm recovering from this. There's a lot to, so I, violence is, I agree with one thing he said, violence is never the answer. The fact that he did it, he got up on stage and did that. See, okay. I have a couple of different things. Number one, and, and I think to start out the time that the slap happened, to t- the time when he accepted the award, it was only 45 minutes. And the tension was palpable. I mean, you, if you watch, if you've looked at Twitter, there's actually, you know, footage of him, you know, Denzel Washington, Tyler Perry, and Bradley Cooper trying to console him. He didn't know. He had a momentary lapse of reason. He had a momentary lapse of reason, and it just came over him, and he snapped. And I don't ever like to use that term. And I also understand that he was defending his wife, but we are all professionals here. And if you have a problem with somebody, you take it behind closed doors. There is no reason why he couldn't at the, at the next break, he couldn't have gotten up, gone backstage and said, Hey, Chris, what the, because there were, there was some history there. If you go back to the 2015 Oscars, he had made some comments about her then too. That being said, they're all professionals. And so I think if you're a professional, you have to take the good with the bad. I tweeted out the other day. This reminds me, I'm probably not a basketball fan, but about 20 or 25 years ago, there was a player that actually went into the stands, one of the first two or three rows, and literally punched a fan. And so, yeah. You can't do that. You are getting paid millions and millions and millions of dollars. You're a professional. What this does to not only his image, 
Will Smith, the person, is a great person. And yes, he had a momentary lapse of reason. But what this does is, number one, nobody's going to want to hire him anymore if he even wants to act anymore. I mean, now that he has his Oscar, okay. Number two, what does this do for his son? Marvel was looking at him maybe playing a role in some sort of movie. Does that affect it? Number three, the fact is that, and he doesn't need the money. We all know he doesn't need the money. But if he's a professional, he needs to take the good with the bad. And he could have talked to Chris backstage, and that would have been the end of it. Now, let's fast forward. The Academy is holding a meeting on April 14th. Do you think, so we, we've, we've agreed that he's not going to have his Oscar taken away. Do you think the Academy will kick him out? I don't think they will. And if they don't, and by the way, he got a standing ovation when he won. After what happened, if they don't kick him out, what kind of message does that send? A very bad one, I think. I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. I, I kind of I, get on the fence about it. Yeah. And, and so just to wrap things up, Chris Rock's now going out on tour, and he starts his first show, I want to say, this weekend. For tickets for that show, and he's come out and he's, and he's publicly said something, but for the, his show going forward, I think it starts in San Antonio, and then he goes to Boston. Those tickets, if you go to a third-party site, they've jumped almost 700%. That's what I'm saying. Like Honestly, he's... Doing pretty well. He's going to be collecting all the good deeds of this tragic incident. So I don't think the Academy, I think by then, so many things are, I think we have short memories, to be very fair. So, And, and that was going to be my next point. By the time, with the 24-hour news cycle, by the time the end of April comes along, really probably after April 14th, because that's when the, the Board of Governors is going to meet, and that's going to decide his fate. But after that, the end of April, everybody's going to forget about it. It's done. Now, there's going to be memes out there and whatever else. Big deal. But nobody's going to remember. This isn't going to come up until next year, if it comes up. So, and I'd be very curious to see a couple of things. Number one, who they get to host it. I wouldn't be shocked if a man hosts next year. Just saying. And number two, how is the stage? Because every year it, it's done differently at the theater. I wonder what kind of precautions they're going to take. I mean, I don't think they're going to have gates or anything, but they might have more security around the, the stage because they want to try and eliminate this from ever happening again. And the thing is, once it happens once, there's a probability, even a slim one, that it's going to happen again because you don't know. Somebody says the wrong thing to somebody about some somebody about something. And, I doubt it. I mean, no, I doubt it too. Yeah, I'm just not gonna I doubt it too. But there's always the possibility. Always. Anyways, I think that this it's just it's as it, you said it very well earlier to begin the segment. There are no words, and there really isn't. Will doesn't win because he looks like an idiot for doing what he did. Chris looks like an idiot for, you know, saying what he said because there was history there. The fans, they 
are going to look like idiots if they go support the academy. So nobody wins here at the end of the day. We'll see what happens on April 14th. And based off of that, by the end of April, this is gone. So, and speaking of gone, we're going to be uh, heading out of here. So this was a treat bonus episode. And so next week we have a little bit of a, uh, a lull. So we're going to try and get some movies together or maybe what we'll do is I will reach out and we'll get an interview or two and, and have them come on. So, but until then, this has been Real Talks and I'm David Steele. I'm Eloa Orazen. All right. And we will talk to you later. Thank you. Bye-bye.